This is episode 250 with climber, snowboarder, mountaineer, artist, and professional runner, Kelly Halpin. Welcome to the Strength Running Podcast. I'm your host, Coach Jason Fitzgerald, and this episode is a spotlight on a fascinating athlete, someone who has a background as varied as I've ever come across, Kelly Halpin. She has a background as a hiker, climber, snowboarder, mountaineer, mountain biker, and of course, runner. We'll explore her background, how she got started with running, why she often warms up for up to an hour, and more. If you're new to the Strength Running Podcast, this show features training conversations, coaching calls, and experts in the running space to elevate your thinking about the sport. I want to help you make wiser decisions about your training so that you can keep improving. Because if you better understand the process of improvement, when you recognize knowledge as a competitive advantage, you'll be a much better runner. But Strength Running is not just a podcast. Don't miss our growing YouTube channel where we have hundreds of videos on injury prevention for runners, short strength workouts specific to running, common training errors that I want you to avoid, and more. Go to youtube.com slash strengthrunning, subscribe, and you'll see every video that we publish. And of course, strengthrunning.com is where it all began. Since 2010, we've been helping runners around the world improve with our award-winning blog, our free email courses on strength training, nutrition, injury prevention, and improving your mindset, plus all of Strength Running's training programs and coaching services to help you accomplish your biggest running goals. Learn more about those at strengthrunning.com coaching. This episode is brought to you by Inside Tracker, one of my favorite companies that's investing heavily in the running community. They test your blood for dozens of biomarkers so you know if there are any red flags with your physiology that might be holding back your running. Then they give you science-backed recommendations to improve anything that might be outside of your personal optimal range. Get 25% off any of their blood tests with code STRENGTHRUNNING at insidetracker.com slash STRENGTHRUNNING. That code is STRENGTHRUNNING with no space, and all those details are at insidetracker.com slash STRENGTHRUNNING. We're also supported by the Spartan Race Series. Ever since I tried my first obstacle course race 10 years ago, I have loved these events. They're athletic, they're demanding, and they require you to be more than just a runner. They require you to be a well-rounded athlete, something that I wholeheartedly endorse here on this podcast. Go to Spartan.com to find a local race near you, and if you're in Colorado, I hope to see you on June 12th at the Colorado Springs Spartan Race. That's Spartan.com to find a short or long-distance obstacle course race near you. Join me in thanking Jennifer for leaving this review in Apple Music. Maybe too down in the weeds for some people, but I have learned much from Jason's interviews and in-depth handling of the subject matter. A website by the same name has video demonstrations that are helpful to work on your core strength and conditioning. Sometimes I have to refer to videos to see what they're describing. It is essential information whether you're training for a marathon or your local 5K. Well, they're absolutely right. The Strength Running Podcast is a little in the weeds for some runners, but we're not for every runner. We're for the runner who absolutely loves the sport, for the runner who wants to improve and catch a glimpse of their potential. We're for the runners who want to leave no stone unturned in their quest to become the best versions of themselves. 
Is that you? Welcome. You're in the right place. Our guest today is Kelly Halpin, someone who grew up playing in the Grand Teton Mountains as a climber, hiker, and snowboarder. Today, she's a mountain runner with an undying passion for exploring remote, wild places, often by herself. She's a prolific collector of FKTs, or Fastest Known Times, with more than a dozen to her name from places across Wyoming's Grand Teton Mountains to Death Valley and beyond. In this conversation, we're exploring what motivates Kelly, how she fell in love with adventures in such gnarly terrain, her extensive warm-up process, and what she recommends to parents who want their kids to grow up with a love for the outdoors. Without further delay, please enjoy my conversation with Kelly Halpin. Kelly, thanks for making the time. Welcome to the podcast. I'm so happy to be here, Jason. Well, I'm happy to speak with you because your resume and your background are just so interesting. You're, I think, a fascinating athlete to speak with because of how varied your interests are and all the different things that that you like to do. Um, how would you describe yourself as an athlete? Uh, I'd say I'm a mountain endurance athlete at heart. Um, I grew up as a climber. Um, I've been climbing since I was six years old. And I got really into snowboarding as a teenager. And uh, I still snowboard to this day. I, I was competitive in snowboarding for a while. Um, but I mean, everything I do is centered around being outdoors, usually in the mountains, but you know, I love the desert too. And basically anywhere where there's a wilderness setting, I'm, I'm very uh, at home in. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like a good place to be. Now, what are all the sports that you like to engage in? I mean, you're obviously uh, a mountain runner, you're a snowboarder, you're a climber. What else is there? I grew up riding horses competitively. Um, so Western and English riding, I uh, did that most of my life. Uh, let's see, I loved mountain biking for, for a very, very long time. And now I really like to road bike as well. And I mean, hiking, backpacking, fast packing. Um, let's see, what else? Um, and uh, this isn't really a sport, but one of my favorite activities is foraging. So I love to be outside picking berries, mushrooms, plants, anything edible or medicinal. Uh, and uh, I bow hunt. Wow. I think if we just dropped you in a national park, you'd have a great time. <laughs> I, I love, uh, yeah, I mean, definitely. I, I love the national parks. <laughs> I'd be psyched. I'd be psyched to see them all. I think I've only been to uh, a little under half of them, but <laughs> I'd love to see them all someday. That's still a big accomplishment to see uh, almost half of all the national parks. That's pretty great. <laughs> now, Kelly, I do have some interesting questions for you from a selfish perspective here. I think it's fascinating that you went from mountain biking to road cycling and you know, I'm a runner who pretends to be a road cyclist, but I have a lot of friends that love mountain biking and I live here in Denver, Colorado. So there's some amazing mountain bike trails so close to me. Tell me what are the major differences between the skills you need as a mountain biker that I simply don't have as a road cyclist that I would have to work on? Oh my gosh. I mean, uh, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I haven't biked in a I mean, I, I, I biked recreationally. I mean, it's just something I did for fun. I was never very good at mountain biking. I, I love the uphill aspect of it and the technical aspect of it, which, you know, you don't really get road biking, I suppose. Um, 
you know, people love to climb up steps and crawl down steps and, you know, you can't really do that on a road bike. So, I mean, I, I kind of think of them as just two completely different sports in some ways, you know, I could maybe compare mountain biking to mountain running and then road cycling to road running. Um, and in my head, like mountain running and road running are two different sports. They're just, you know, in their own totally different categories. So I have a lot of work to do is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> I would say like maybe the risk is higher in, in mountain biking. But then again, like I almost got hit by a car on my road bike last summer. So, uh, <laughs> so maybe, maybe not. <laughs> yeah. And I've had a pretty good crash on my road bike a long time ago that uh, I still have, you know, memories of today that I'd rather forget. So you could certainly get hurt on a road bike for sure. Oh, definitely. Definitely. I'm I actually have to go back and make myself cycle this section that I wrecked on last summer just to get it out of my head because it's been kind of haunting me ever since. I was like, I'm never, never, ever going to bike that road again. And I'm like, no, no, no. You love biking that road. Like, just just go do it. It'll be okay. There's probably a good lesson in there somewhere confronting the things that you're scared of. Yeah, I think it's important. And it's one of my favorite ways to go up to the national park, too. Um, So I'm like, you know, get back on your bike. (laughs) Yeah. You know, thinking about all these different sports that you're engaged in, it it sounds so exciting because you always have something to do, right? No matter if you're in the desert, you're in the mountains, it's wintertime, it's summertime. But, you know, my type A personality, I'm also feeling a little stressed out from this idea from a training perspective. Are you are you always prioritizing some sports over others at certain times of the year? Or are you always somewhat well trained for most of the sports that you do? Well, I'm always training for running. That never stops. I mean, running is is my main sport. I'm a sponsored athlete. Um, I take my training with running very seriously. I tend to, you know, take it fairly easy in the late fall and winter, and I kind of ramp up training for that in the spring. But I'm always running year round, even in you know zero degree weather in Jackson. I'm I'm always running, um, and I feel like the running keeps me in shape pretty well for snowboarding, especially because. Um, I'm, I'm trail and mountain run, so I'm always getting burnt and that's, you know, great for backcountry snowboarding. And, you know, as far as climbing goes, that's definitely taken a hit the last couple of years because I've prioritized running and, you know, with climbing, even though technically I know what to do, the strength dissipates pretty quick. Um, and we don't have a gym in Jackson anymore, so it's not like I I have anywhere to, uh, I, I have to drive pretty far to go get decent climbing. And I just don't always have time for that these days. So, you know, at some point in my life, I'll go back to, to climbing a lot more, but you know, right now, um, I definitely prioritize running. Have you found that the fitness you gain from running helps you in most of these other sports? I mean, you said how it can help you with backcountry snowboarding. Does it help with, you know, things like hiking, things like mountain biking, or even road cycling? Yeah, absolutely. And the road cycling helps the running, you know, it's a great way to you know, keep your knees happy. I tear my knees up running and then I go out on my road bike and my knees are <laughs> happy again. Um, yeah, I mean, I think running is a, a great uh, foundation for all sports. Yeah, that's a good point. I think it's interesting because running is usually a part of so many other sports. And if you can get good at that, it, it does transfer over very well. Um I kind of want to ask the converse of this question. What other sports help your running the most? Uh, Well, like I said, cycling Um, and and climbing because I'm a 
I'm a mountain runner and most of the things that I do are technical traverses or getting up on a summit that involves scrambling or climbing, um, you know, sometimes fifth class soloing. So being able to understand how to move efficiently and safely on exposed faces uh, as one of the biggest aspects of, uh, of my mountain running. Yeah, I can't imagine the like the psychology of that because I've seen some of the pictures you've posted on Instagram and it, it looks downright scary. I mean, you're very close to the edge on some very big drops. You're very high up. Uh, can you talk to us about that? Is there is there a, a level you get to where you're so much more comfortable with that? Or are you always getting this sort of anxious rush whenever you're up there on those traverses? I don't usually get scared in the moment unless I'm on loose rock. Uh, a friend and I created a route through the Tetons in 2019, and we ran it in 2019 and 2020 called the Teton Center Punch. And the very center of that route, which follows the hydrological divide of the Teton, so you're going basically from Yellowstone all the way to Teton Pass, uh, has the entire first half of it is all technical ridge scrambling. And it's not on solid rock, it's on loose rock. So you know, if I'm on a route like the Wasatch Ultimate Ridge link up, which I love doing, and I plan on going back and doing it a fourth time, you're on clean rock the whole time. So while there is exposure and soloing, it's very solid rock. The Teton Center Punch has very loose rock. And, you know, I get scared because at that point, it's not, you're, you're not just relying on your own skills, you're hoping that the rock doesn't crumble underneath you, you know, which, which it has on that route before. So I, I'd say like that is probably the, the most frightening route I've done. It's, it's just, you know, you just hope that the rock stays together while you're on it. Um, but most of the time, if the rock is solid, I'm, I'm pretty, I mean, I'm pretty good about being in a flow state and making sure that I don't climb up something that I can't also climb back down. Uh, and I, you know, I think with just a lot of experience in the mountains, I'm generally pretty comfortable in exposed places, if that, if that answers your question. Yeah, it does. And you did say that most of the time the rock stays together and you did have an experience where it didn't. What was that like? You know, in, at, in the moment, um, it was, I was fine. I caught myself with one hand and I just kept going. Um, about an hour later, once the adrenaline kind of wore off, I, I sat down and I was like, wow, that was really dangerous. Um, but, you know, it didn't hit me until after I was off of that technical section. So I, I, I'm glad I was able to, to, you know, to keep it together and get myself off the ridge. Um, but, you know, I do think about that a lot. And that was um, on the Teton Center Punch. And like I said, there's a lot of loose rock there and we were establishing the route. So, we were in places that, you know, nobody ever goes. Um, and so it's not like there's a clean, a clean route established ahead of you. You're kind of just like figuring out as you go along. And so, you know, it's kind of just part of the adventure, but you know, there is obviously risk to that. Yeah, for sure. I want to circle back a little bit to your training. Do you supplement your training with, uh, mobility work with strength training? What does that look like? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I usually bike once or twice a week. Um, so I have the road cycling in there cause that's a nice way to stay fit without, you know, the impact. Uh, and then every single day 
I do a 32 hour long little warm up routine where I start with foam rolling and then I do some yoga flow just to get my, you know, get everything moving and get my breath work down. And then I roll out on a ball and then I do a little core workout and then work on my glutes, hamstrings, and quads to bring them online for the day. So that's almost every single day. Yeah, I, I love the lengthy warm up that you do. And I, I would love to drill down into this a little bit more and get really specific here. Um, 30 to 60 minutes for a warm up. Most people don't have time for that. But I, <laughs> I, I love that you're doing it. And I want to know more about it. Walk us through this entire routine. And, and I, I'm also curious, why is it sometimes 30 minutes? And why is it sometimes 60 minutes? It depends on how much time I have. <laughs> or, uh, <laughs> or what I'm doing that day. I mean, if I if I have a big run, then I'm not going to spend a lot of time doing doing squats and hamstring um, exercises, because, you know, I'll, I'll warm them up, but I'm not going to spend time doing like one legged squats, because I'm about to go out and run like a big, you know, a big route. So I don't want to like exhaust myself. Like the idea is to stay fit and then bring everything online. And I'm, you know, trying to strike a balance between making sure some days I supplement with, you know, weights and additional exercises and other days I don't need to do that. Um, I started doing this after I took uh, some classes at uh, one of my sponsors in Jackson is this wellness facility called Medicine Wheel Wellness. And it's a fantastic place that's got a bunch of different practitioners from yoga instructors, Pilates, massage, acupuncture, um, even spiritual and mental practitioners all work in this facility. So it's supposed to embody like all wellness, like well-rounded wellness. Anyway, and they offer lots of classes with different practitioners. So, um, you know, I went to, I blew my ACL out 10 years ago and that's when I really started going to this facility. Um, so they offer classes on stability, you know, ACL recovery, you know, exercises for your back, for your feet, for everything. And one of the classes was, um, good ways to warm up before a run. And so I kind of incorporated that into my morning routine. So, Let's see. So let me see. Let me start at the beginning. So I go into the room. I foam roll. So I roll out my back. I roll out my glutes, quads, hamstrings, calves, shins. Um, and then I get like a lacrosse ball or sometimes a golf ball if I want to be really masochistic. And I roll out the bottoms of my feet, the fronts and the backs. And then I'll lay on the ball sideways and get into my hips. So on my like TFL in that zone, and then I'll actually get onto my stomach and roll the ball on the inside of my hips so that I loosen that up too. Uh, let's see. And then after I've rolled on the ball, I go into, or I sit on my feet or I sit on my heels, sorry, sit on my heels and stretch out the um, bottoms of my feet. And then I stretch out the fronts of my feet. Then I go into a yoga flow. So um, basically, you know, do some, do some stretches upright, um, some back warmups, you know, cat cow. And then I go into downward dog and then I do a little flows, you know, vinyasa flow, um, down low. And then I do another one up, up high. Um, 
And then I do a couple of stabilizing exercises in there. So I make sure that I'm on my left foot for a little bit, you know, doing balancing exercises and then my right foot. Um, cause that's, you know, something we kind of forget to do. And it's really important to keep all those little muscles there and happy because, you know, when you have accidents on the, on the trail, it's usually cause your, your balance is off or your, you know, certain muscles around your ankles or knees are weak. Um, then after I do a little flow, I will see, I'll do planks. So I do 30 seconds, then 15 on each side, then 30 again. And then, um, oh my gosh, I'm forgetting what this is called, but you put a band, uh, right above your knees and you get on all fours and you, um, lift your leg up to activate your hamstrings. Uh, what's that called? What am I thinking of? I think it's called the donkey kick. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Donkey kicks. Um, I'll do donkey kicks and then I'll do clamshells to activate my, uh, medial glutes. Um, cause I like to keep my hips really strong and then I'll either do weighted squats or wall squats or jumping squats, uh, just depending on the day. And then I'll repeat that twice. And that's uh, my morning routine. Oh, I love it. I, I think this is the key right here to like feeling good while you're doing some heavy training because it's all of the, the little things that aren't really so little. And and I love that you're putting such a priority on, you know, the self-massage, some yoga, some light strength training, all these activation exercises that are really going to leave you just feeling well-tuned. You know, it's like bringing your car into the shop for a tune-up and you're just getting all of this uh, you know, reinforcing good movement patterns and strengthening smaller muscles that you don't really give too much attention to. Um, and, you know, one of the things that I'm always recommending to my athletes is, is a dynamic warm-up routine before you go running. And most of my routines that I've developed are about 10 minutes long, you know, give or take five minutes, depending on the specific routine. Um, but I love that you have one that is, that is so comprehensive and, you know, you're including almost a little bit of a strength workout in there. And it, depending on the day, depending on the goal of the training session that you have, you have different warm up routines for that. And I also love that they're personalized to you. You know, you have things that are included in here that are working on your weaknesses on the areas that you like to keep strong that are really going to help you personally. And, and I think that's a, a really great way to to go about it. Have you always been this immersed in the outdoors and, and so focused on these outdoor adventures, you know, I, I think you got started with some of this stuff as a kid, right? Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, I started climbing. I was also like playing soccer as a little kid, but, um, my parents, uh, <laughs> they took me to an REI when I was six and they had one of those climbing walls in there. And I became so obsessed. They got me a gym membership when I was six. Um, and my dad, would drive us an hour and a half to the gym a couple times a week just to climb, uh, my sister and I. And, oh my gosh, I, I loved it. But um, aside from the climbing gym, I spent the summers on my grandparents' ranch in Jackson Hole. So I was outdoors all day long. I mean, from 7 a.m. until it got dark at 9.30, I was outdoors riding my horse, riding my bike, wandering around in the forest. Um, we had a really good, uh, my sister and I had a really good sense of independence, um, and understanding how to navigate in the forest and, and just be able to spend the whole day outside comfortably. And when I got older, I would take my horse off trail on these 
long ridge lines. You know, this is before I had a good cell phone or anything or a radio. So I was completely on my own at this time. And I think, you know, just growing up, understanding that I could be outside navigating and take care of myself and, and have to take care of myself and know that I could take care of myself, um, kind of just laid the foundation for being able to do a lot of these solo unsupported efforts I do today. You know, I just, I'm, I'm very comfortable being out in the wilderness alone. Yeah. This is such a great example of, of like unschooling and you having the independence to explore and to take risks and discover things for yourself. Uh, I think that's really valuable. And, you know, I, I've got three kids. Do you have any advice for parents who want to give their kids more exposure to these kinds of adventures? You know, I, I can't put them on a farm all summer, even though I want to. <laughs> no, totally. Well, I think, you know, my parents, uh, when we, you know, even when we weren't on the ranch, um, we were all like nature nerds, you know, I'd go out and identify species of trees and caterpillars and butterflies. And, you know, when you know about something, you care about something. And I think, you know, if you're fascinated about, you know, species and nature and the outdoors, your kids are going to be fascinated because you're setting the example for them and everything else just follows. I mean, if they love the outside, they're going to want to be outside. And if you're outside, then you learn how to be in nature. You learn like skills that you learn how to navigate. Like you, it just gives you this like level of confidence that you can carry around with you like the rest of your life. I think that's good advice for all the parents out there. Kelly, at what point in your career, you know, I'm sure when you were a young adult, did you start to think, Hey, maybe I can do this as my job. Maybe I can be a full-time adventurer runner. Did you see talent early on in your career? Oh, I don't know about talent. I mean, I loved climbing and when I was 18, I started competing. And I think that's when I was like, oh, I can do what I love and like compete. And, um, you know, I, I'm a freelance illustrator, so that that's also my job. Um, but as far as sports go, I mean, I started competing when I was when I was 18 and I and I loved it. And I definitely considered dropping out of college to become a full time dirt bag and just climb. Um, so I definitely, I definitely considered that. Um, and then when I was back in Jackson full-time, there's not a lot of, there's a lot of, uh, alpinism, but there's not a lot of bouldering, which was my, my main kick with climbing. And I was like, oh, well I'm getting really into snowboarding. So I, I thought about that as like, okay, I'm going to start competing and seeing how good I can get at big mountain riding, uh, which was super fun. Then I blew out my knee. Then I became a runner which is very strange, but that was the path I took. And I didn't, I don't know if I thought I could pursue it professionally for the first couple of years. I just did it because I was like, oh, wow, like I can do these huge adventures outside. And I, and I'm totally fine staying out like all day long. Um, I didn't, I didn't, I'd never explored like a, that level of endurance before. And then that's where I was like, this is where I belong, you know, in this little niche of, you know, in, endurance adventure running. Um, and then I got a couple of sponsors and, and I've, you know, been with some of them for, for eight years. And, uh, this year I signed with black diamond as my main sponsor. And that's been really fun. Um, exciting and, uh, feel very lucky and I don't know, I'm, I'm really excited for the next couple of years. Yeah. What a journey. Most people don't blow up, blow out their knee and then become a runner. <laughs> <laughs> What's the timeline for, for you discovering running? Was this 
was this a while back ago? Was this just a couple years ago? Uh, so I blew up my knee 10 years ago. And this is, this is going to sound strange, but it's the truth. Um, when I was recovering from surgery, you know, I couldn't move. I was in the middle of my snowboard season and I was just so bummed out. I had all these competitions coming up that I knew I was going to have to cancel. And I mean, I wasn't even going to be walking again for weeks. I was like, this is the worst. Um, and I started having dreams and I was never a runner before. I didn't even like running. I, I thought running was punishment, you know, as so many people do. But I started having dreams that I was running in the mountains. And I was like, huh, maybe I should try running in the mountains. And as soon as I was able to run, I started doing that. I think there's so much skill involved with the ability to be on your feet for such a long period of time doing some of these you know, ultra endurance events and, uh, you know, some of these backpacking adventures, you know, it's, it's almost the, the opposite of speed, you know, speed is a skill. You can run certain track races really fast, but that doesn't mean that you can go and do, you know, a hundred mile ultra marathon. And it certainly doesn't mean that you can do, you know, some of these really technical mountain adventures, especially when you're throwing in, you know, the factors like high altitude or, you know, extremely technical terrain. And and particularly when you have to sort of get outside of the comfort zone of running and you have to start, you know, incorporating some scrambling or climbing skills into it. At what point when you've started running, because, you know, I've been a runner for well over 20 years and it's hard to build up the endurance necessary to be on your feet covering that kind of terrain for hours and hours and hours on end. At what point did you start to think, like, I'm actually pretty good at this. I can be on my feet on this kind of terrain in the mountains for a long time. And that's something special. Uh, I, yeah, I'd say uh, it was the first time I did the picnic in 2014. Um, I was part of the original invitation list to do the picnic uh, by its creator, David Gonzalez, in 2013. And I didn't swim. I, I mean, I still don't like swimming, but, you know, swimming's part of the picnic aka the Grand Teton Triathlon. Um, are you familiar with that? I can give a brief breakdown of that if you want. No, I'm, I'm very much amused by the fact that a mountain triathlon is called a picnic. Yeah. <laughs> so tell us a little more about it. Uh, so my friend David uh, was like, okay, what's, what is the hardest, most ridiculous thing I can come up with in the Tetons? And so what he came up with was you bike from the town square to Jenny Lake, you swim across Jenny Lake, which is one point two or three miles across. Then you go climb the Grand Teton. Then you come back to the lake, swim back across it, and then get on your bike and bike back to town. That is the original Grand Teton picnic. Yeah, sounds like a picnic. Yeah. So I I didn't do it in 2013 with the group because I was like swimming. Uh, yeah, and I'm not going to do that. But then in 2014, there still hadn't been a woman who had finished it. So I was like, okay, well, you know, I can't, I mean, I, I, I can swim. I'm not very good at it, but like, I bet I can get across the lake twice. Uh, <laughs> and then I already biked and, uh, I knew how to climb the grand. So I was like, all right, well, let's, let's do this. So my partner, Tristan Gresco and I, uh, did it. And I was just like, wow. And that was the first time I had done endurance, like real endurance. Um, and I, I loved it. I don't know. Like I was just like this, this is for me, you know? And I already had the climbing skills and scrambling, scrambling skills. So I was like, well, you know, I'll just start running and start linking up mountains. And that's kind of 
you know, how I got into it was, you know, I, I had all the climbing and scrambling skills ahead of time. And then I started adding the running into it. And I was already used to long days in the mountains. So I had that baseline endurance, um, you know, and, and the understanding that when you head out, you're going to be out all day. Um, and I don't know, running, running made it faster. I was like, oh, I can go link up a whole bunch of mountains now and still run back to the trailhead. And that'll be, you know, 12 hours or 15 hours or whatever. And, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think that's how I, how I got into the endurance. And I think, you know, I just built up the running slowly over the next couple of years, you know, with longer and longer distance. And I think that's the right way to do it. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think, you know, it really does take time to build up to long distances safely without hurting yourself. Yeah, for sure. Uh, particularly when we're talking about these kinds of longer distances. Uh, but you certainly sound like you have the background and the foundation to be able to to jump into some of these things. Now, so was that the last time that you've ever gone swimming or <laughs> have you been back to the lake? <laughs> uh, I've done five picnics. Um, so I've done different ones with different mountains and different lakes. But uh, I haven't done one in, in a while. I mean, I just... Water is just not my thing. I like dry rock. <laughs> <laughs> Spoken like a true runner. <laughs> but, but it's cool. I mean, you know, maybe one day I'll go back and, and do another picnic. But uh, right now I'm I'm down with just using my, my feet <laughs> and not swimming. Yeah, it's funny. I flirted with triathlon a while back and I had the same experience. I, I loved running, obviously. Um, I, I liked biking. I loved getting on my road bike. I think I just like going fast. But the swimming was always such a challenge because, you know, I'm such a typical runner. I don't know how to, I don't know how to swim very well. And I just sink like a rock to the bottom of, of the lake, you know? So I, I had a couple very embarrassing swim legs in a few triathlons. And then when you would compare them with my, with my, the run leg or the cycling leg, it was just very clear that I should not be competing in the sport of swimming anytime soon. It's not where my, <laughs> it's not where my skill set is. <laughs> it's always fun to challenge yourself though with with things that make you uncomfortable i know swimming definitely makes me uncomfortable but i like surfing um so oh that's fun yeah i, I like that i've had a couple open water triathlons in the ocean and Oof. those are a whole different animal and yeah. in terms of you know that's more like you're just in it for survival let's just get to the shore let's try not to get you know, kicked in the head when a wave comes crashing down on you. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So those are fun. Yeah. Uh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Kelly, I want to ask you about your art. You've mentioned it previously and I was on your website earlier today, uh, kellyhalpin.com. And you've got some amazing art that you have created over the years. Has your athletic life influenced your art over time? Yeah, Absolutely. I mean, I, I see things that inspire me when I'm out in the mountains and my art is very nature themed. I mean, if you look at it, there's always elements of nature in there and, you know, it's because the outdoors are so important to me and I, you know, every time I'm out running or climbing, I get inspired to do more art because I'm immersed in it and I, I love expressing it through art and, uh, yeah. And photography. I do, I do, I dabble in photography. Um, I definitely don't do that professionally, but, uh, you know, I, I'm always moved by the outdoors and, uh, if I'm able to express that with pen and ink, um, then yeah, I'll, <laughs> I, I love doing it. Now, are you primarily a, an artist for hire or can people, you know, actually buy some of these prints? 
Yeah, people can buy all of my original illustrations. Some of the ones on my website uh, are sold, um, but I you know, always encourage people to you know, just, just ask about what's available or if a certain piece is available because um, I do have tons of original artwork. Um, and then on my shop, I'll sell limited edition prints of certain pieces. And I have two of my books for sale. Um, I actually am launching a new children's book next week, um, actually next Monday, uh, called Wildlife in the Tetons. And it's just a children's guide to wildlife in the uh, Greater Yellowstone Ecosystem um, Illustrated Guide. Um, and my other book's a, a fictional book um, that I have on the website right now. So um, I love getting love getting kids outside. <laughs> yeah, no, it's great. And I think your first book was Silas in the Last Forest. Mm-hmm. A kid who's never been outside before. Yeah, it was my cynical view of the future. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Well, this is great. I'm going to look into these books for my kids because I think they would be just amazing for them. And your art is just beautiful. And, you know, it's very mountain oriented too. some of your prints. And, you know, that certainly speaks to me as someone who lives in Colorado and absolutely loves the mountains. So Kelly, thanks so much for chatting with me today and going over your career and all the things that you're into, including your art. Uh, I just think it's amazing. And I, I wish you all the best. Are you, uh, are you getting ready for any adventures this coming spring and summer? I am. Yeah. Uh, I'm super excited. Actually, in, uh, tomorrow I'm going to do a run with Buzz Burrell. That, that should be pretty fun. We're going to link up this canyon. It's going to involve some rappels and some climbing, but generally speaking, it's a run just with some, <laughs> some technical gear. <laughs> and then we might do a ridge link up on Thursday, but you know, it depends on the weather. It looks like it might be windy, but I do have a couple of FKTs I'm going after this summer, both in the Wasatch and in the Tetons. So, um, yeah, I hope, hope you follow along. <laughs> I'll keep you posted on those. <laughs> yeah, those look so fun. And you actually have quite a few FKTs or fastest known times under your belt at this point, right? I do. Yeah. It, it's probably too lengthy to even recount most of them, but I mean, you have at least a dozen, right? I have 14 FKTs, uh, right now. I'm not, I don't think I hold the fastest time on a couple of them anymore. Um, cause some of them, I mean, I were in like 2017 and, you know, but, uh, yeah, I, at one point in time or another, I, I held 14 uh, FKTs, um, mostly in the mountains and mostly solo and unsupported because that's my, my favorite thing to go after. Yeah. That's your jam. That sounds awesome. And if folks do want to follow along with these adventures and, and see if you get any more FKTs sometime this summer, where's the best place for them to find you? Uh, I'd say following my Instagram, which is K-Y-E Halpin at, you know, or, or at K-Y-E Halpin. Um, it's, or if you just type in Kelly Halpin, then, you know, it usually pops up. Uh, or you can, you know, you can check out my website, which I update every once in a while with FKTs. Um, if you specifically want to see my FKTs, you can go to fastestknowntime.com and type in my name and uh, the accomplishments will, will pop up. But yeah, I'd say following along on Instagram is probably the, the best way. Great. That's K-Y-E Halpin on Instagram. We'll include links to this in the show notes on Strength Running so folks can check it out there as well. Kelly, thanks so much for your time today. I so appreciate it. Thank you, Jason. It was a pleasure being here. And that's our show today, my friends. If you're getting value from the show, please consider leaving a review wherever you listen to podcasts. 
Now, if you enjoy the Strength Running Podcast, you can support us by supporting our supporters. A lot of support going on here. (laughs) These are all companies that I trust, that I use myself, and that contribute to the running community. Inside Tracker is a company that I've been working with for years, and I hope to continue for years to come. They're one of the most reputable personal blood testing companies that you can find. Their goal is to help you analyze your body's biomarkers. Things like stress hormones, like cortisol, testosterone, vitamin D, sex hormones, mineral levels, and more. And using your personal data, they create optimal ranges for each of these biomarkers. So if you're outside of your optimal zone, they then have an ultra-personalized nutrition platform that gives you science-backed suggestions for moving into your preferred zone. This helps you avoid any health problems, it optimizes your training, improves your performances, reduces your injury risk as well. I've personally gotten three ultimate tests myself, and the process is easy, it's simple, and it's very eye-opening, especially if you have never gotten one of these tests before. They also have at-home testing, which only takes about 15 minutes, so if you don't want to drive to the lab, they will come to you. Go to insidetracker.com slash strengthrunning to see how you can get 25% off site-wide on any personalized blood test that they offer. Of all the purchases you can make in your running, this one can actually improve your performances. It's a wonderful opportunity, and all those details can be seen at insidetracker.com slash strengthrunning. We're also supported by the Spartan Race Series. You've probably heard of Spartan Races, but you probably didn't know that they offer such a wide variety of types of races, from short to long-distance obstacle courses, and even ultra-distances, to trail races, stadium races, and even city races in major metropolitan areas. They also have kids' races, and I'm hoping to bring my kids to the Spartan Race in Colorado Springs on June 12th. If you're local to Colorado, it'd be great to meet. Go to spartan.com and find an event near you. And what I love about more challenging races, like obstacle course races, is that they diagnose our weaknesses. They're a diagnostic tool to help you pinpoint what area of your fitness is lacking. Do you have a general aerobic deficiency? Do you struggle with upper body strength? Can you handle the stop and start nature of OCRs? Do you have the mobility to perform the obstacles? Signing up for a race that challenges you in a different way, like a Spartan race, is a helpful way of finding out more about yourself as an athlete. Go to spartan.com to see all of their race options, find one near you, and hopefully I can see some of you at the June Spartan race here in Colorado. Thanks for listening, sharing, subscribing, telling your friends, and supporting the Strength Running Podcast. If there's ever something I can do to help your running, email me at support at strengthrunning.com. Talk to you soon.